You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Hey everyone, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, We're going to be continuing on in our series in the book of Acts um, called Christ, His Church and His Cause. And today we're reading from kind of the end of Acts chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16. Um, And we're actually just going to jump straight in. So here we go, reading from Acts 15 verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches grew and were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Okay, so I I don't know about you, but when I was kind of reading through this passage, preparing for today, there's a couple of things actually that I found pretty difficult, although a bit confusing, right? So, you know, we start off, we've got Paul and Barnabas and they are going back on mission and it's like, Yes, like the boys are back, right? Round two, here we go. You know, they're going to do amazing things. We're going to see God doing incredible things. Um, but then all of a sudden, there's this massive um, kind of ugly fight and they fall out and they, they part ways. And I don't know, you know, for me, it reminded me, I don't know if you um, had a moment when you were younger when um, your favorite band split up and it was just devastating. For some people, that might be like, uh, like One Direction or something. For me, it was Busted. You know, Busted were, oh, top level. And I just felt like they had so much more to give. It was an absolute tragedy when they split up. Um, but anyway, that's what it is. If there's kind of this heartbreaking split moment. And then on top of that, you know, we, we continue reading and we hear about Paul, um, you know, going to pick up Timothy and then getting him circumcised. And for me, that was a little confusing because... You know, it talks about them carrying the decisions around from the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. Well, those decisions and that letter that they're carrying literally says, you do not need to be circumcised, if I'm paraphrasing, you know. And so it's a bit, it's, it seems, almost seems like a bit of a contradiction there. Um, so, you know, a bit of a confusing one this morning, but actually I think that Luke, when he was writing Acts, um, included these things for a reason and... Um, Hopefully, as we go through this morning, we can take some really good stuff out of this passage. So um, I wonder if you can remember an argument uh, that you've been in. Maybe that got a little bit heated. Um, I'm going to share one with you guys now. Um, It does not paint me in a very good light. So just, you know, be gentle. Be aware of that. It does not make me look good. Um, But here we go. So 
we're back in 2013. Um, I've been dating Bex, who's my wife now, um, for maybe six months at this point. Uh, and I've got the bus down to see her in Bristol, where she's living. And um, we decided to cook dinner together because, you know, that's a nice thing to do, right? Cook together. And what better to cook than fajitas, right? Really easy, really tasty. What can go wrong? Well, um, we were kind of mid-prep and we realized that actually Bex had run out of onions. Now, I'm panicking at this point a wee bit. You know, I think you'll all agree with me that onions are super necessary to, to making fajitas. Um, without it, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a failure, you know, and it's going to ruin the evening. So I'm frantically searching and lo and behold, I find this perfect onion and, it, you know, it feels like dinner is saved. Um, but alas, it was not that simple because this onion did not belong to Bex, but to her flatmate. And that was an issue, apparently, you know. And one thing about Bex is that she will always put um, other people's needs above her own. And you might be thinking, oh, that's lovely. And yeah, to be honest, it's a quality that I usually really admire. Um, probably partly because I am often the one benefiting from it. Um, but in this situation, it was a real pain because she was determined not to use this onion. You know, um, I was given all the reasons like, oh, you know, we'll buy her like two more tomorrow and it's already late. She's not going to use it tonight. But for her, it was a matter of principle. Right. And um, it's just like part of who she is. And there was no getting around it. So, you know, things got a bit heated. Um, I was obviously not going to agree to onionless fajitas. Um, <laughs> pick your battles, hey? But anyway, we both got mad at each other. And um, again, this does not look good. But I basically sent her out to buy onions. Um, the shop was a long way away as well. And it took ages. And I was had time, too much time, before she got back and started feeling pretty guilty. Um Anyway, yeah, not my best. Um, and thankfully, you know, we didn't end up parting ways like Paul and Barnabas do here. Um, but we could have handled things much better. Um, I, th I think one of the reasons that Luke includes this kind of less flattering story from church history um, in the passage here is actually to show us that, you know, Paul and Barnabas are just people, right? They're just human too. Um I don't know if you remember back when we were talking in Acts 14, they say to the people of Iconium um, who are treating them like gods, they say, we too are only human like you. And this is that humanity playing out, right? Um, I don't think Luke is putting this in as an example for us to follow. He's not saying, oh, it's cool if you just fall out and, um, and fight every time you disagree. But it's, it shows us actually that when those things do happen, when there's a bit of mess and when we when we um, screw up our relationships or whatever, God can actually still bring about good. You know, the actual result of the falling out here is that we get two missionary teams that go out instead of one. So even in that mess, God is, is still working. But why did Paul and Barnabas have such a strong falling out in the first place? Well, I think kind of in a similar way to the notorious um, onion debate, um, it kind of comes down to them having a different way of doing things. Um, Luke doesn't take a side in the argument. He doesn't say one person is right and one person is wrong. 
I don't think like that's the point actually. I think they just have a different perspective. Um, maybe both have merit, but they just don't seem um, compatible. They don't seem to line up um, at this moment in time. You know, we know that Paul and Barnabas have the same goals after all, right? They both want to share the good news about Jesus. They both want to um, take that news as far and wide and share it as well, as effectively as they can. But they have these different perspectives. Um, and I think that comes out of their different giftings. So I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit today and we kind of think about actually what that might mean for us as, as God uses us with all of our different um, skills and uh, personality traits and gifts um, as part of the church as a whole to build his kingdom. You know, so as we've been going through Acts together, we spent a little bit of time with Paul and Barnabas, right? And I feel like we're getting to know them a little bit. And so I wanted to take a moment to kind of build a bit of a picture of what we know about them so far. So uh, let's start with Paul, right? So what do we know about Paul? We know he was super well educated um, in Jewish law. He studied under this guy Gamaliel, um, who was a really well-renowned and respected Pharisee. Um, we know that when he and Barnabas went on their first kind of missionary journey, Paul was described as the chief speaker. So, you know, there's probably a, a preaching, a teaching, or um, like an evangelism gift there. Um, but when we read through the Bible, like in Acts and also in, in some of the letters that Paul writes, I think we also see that he's not afraid to call people out. You know, in, in Acts, as we've been reading through, we've seen him calling out the, the sorcerer um, in Cyprus. We've seen him calling out, even earlier in this chapter, like some false teaching. And when we read things like um, the letter to the Galatians, we even see um, that he's calling out the Apostle Peter to his face um, for being a hypocrite and not eating with people who um, weren't Jewish. You know, so I think he's definitely not afraid of a little bit of conflict when it's necessary for um, his, his, for what he's trying to achieve. And um, we also know that his main calling is as an apostle, right? Which literally means um, one who is sent. And we know that the people that he is sent to is the Gentiles which is just anyone who isn't a Jew, basically. And we know that he's willing to do um, whatever it takes and go to kind of extraordinary lengths to do that as effectively as possible. So moving on to Barnabas for a second, when we're first introduced to him, um, we hear that he sold property and gave it to the church. So there's obviously generosity there. Um, his actual name is Joseph, um, but everyone calls him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And to me, you know, that is a pretty amazing nickname to be given by the apostles, right? Son of encouragement. Paul, to me, at least seems to be um, kind of a task-orientated guy, right? Quite task-focused. He's got this thing that God has given him to do, and he's got to complete it, right? And Barnabas, I think, is more about people. Um, his gifting, like his name suggests, is... Um, as an encourager, as a, as a mentor to others to help them to grow in their own leadership and, and faith and step into what God has for them. I think ultimately the split happens here because those two approaches don't seem to align um, in the case of John Mark. Um, yeah, both Paul and Barnabas, I think, probably agree that Mark did abandon them and that that wasn't okay. But for Paul, 
you know, maybe that means he can't trust him to work with him effectively as they go forward. Um, and for him, that's that's not okay. Whereas I think for Barnabas, his heart is to um, give him a second chance and to see him restored. Both, again, have the same goals. They want to strengthen the church. They want to preach the gospel. They want to like raise up new leaders. But their different personalities, their different giftings mean that they have a bit of a different strategy in how they do that. You know, we see Paul um, handpicking like this dream team, right? So he picks Silas, who is a, a renowned, like a respected leader in the church in Antioch. And then they go and pick up Timothy, who's this promising young guy. You know, he, he wants to invest in the obvious choices. You know, he wants to um, strategically put time and investment into them because he knows that through that he, he's going to see a load of fruit and they're going to produce a load of um, good stuff. And also that they'll be helpful um, right from the start. But Barnabas, I think, has a heart to invest in the unlikely candidates. You know, the people that um, the other people might overlook. You know, people um, who he can encourage and get alongside and call out the gold in when no one else is there to do that. And, you know, one thing I noticed, we've actually seen Barnabas doing that before. Um, in Acts chapter 9, it's actually Barnabas who takes Paul in front of the apostles um, and vouches for him when everyone is still terrified of him for um, persecuting the church, for putting people in jail. Um, he is the one that is willing to take a chance on him and um, kind of call him into what, and, and allow him to step into what God is calling him into. You know, um, when Barnabas is sent off to Antioch to lead this new, thriving, growing church where people are coming to know Jesus and amazing things are happening, he actually goes from there to Tarsus to get Paul, to bring him in and kind of like an assistant pastor type thing, um, invest in his ministry and like have him help lead that church. I think this is a similar thing to what he's doing with Mark, right? We know that Mark later goes on to have this incredible ministry of his own. You know, people attribute um, the gospel of Mark to this, this John also called Mark. And, and we know that Paul later on even writes about Mark and asks for him to be sent to him and says that he's useful to his ministry. So, yeah, all this to say, um, differences can be good, I think, right? Diversity is a part of the beauty of the church. Right, we need people like Paul, and we need people like Barnabas, and in fact, you know, we're all called to play our own part in God's plan, and He wants to use each of us with our own um, individual skills and giftings. He wants to utilize all of those things as we uh, serve Him. If if Paul had let Mark come with them on the journey, maybe um, maybe there's a real trust issue there, and it and it gets in the way of what they're trying to achieve. And if Barnabas had gone with Paul and left Mark, maybe he'd always have felt like he abandoned him or, or even just that he didn't get that chance to invest and to see that growth in Mark. But instead, Paul is released to do what Paul is meant to do and Barnabas is released to do what Barnabas is meant to do. And through that, we actually see God do amazing things. So before we move on, I um, just wanted to quickly give us a couple of things to think about this morning. And Maybe they're things that um, you've got a really clear idea of already, or maybe they're things that might take a moment to sit with. Um, 
So I'm probably going to wait like a sufficiently awkward amount of time after for you to think about these things. Um, if you're the note-taking type, feel free to write them down as well. Or if you're watching back, I guess you could pause and, and just sit and think for a second. But um, we're going to just carry on after. So here we go. Um, first question. What are the specific giftings and skill sets that God has given you that you could use to bless the people around you? And then following on from that, what passions and values will shape the way, like the way that you use these skills and gifts? Okay, so hopefully that's, I think that's sufficiently awkward, right? If it feels that way in here anyway. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, hopefully you've had a wee chance to think about that, but again, maybe it's something to jump back to a little bit later. Um, but for now, we're going to move on and talk about kind of part two of the passage from today. Um, and again, on a first reading, it does feel like a bit of a weird one, right? We've got Paul and Silas traveling around, carrying this letter, um, which is written earlier in this chapter, actually, if you want to go back and read. But to paraphrase, it's basically saying you don't need to be circumcised right that is that is basically the gist of what is happening and you know you you can see them going through and they're taking this letter and they pick up Timothy and Paul says to Timothy you know what Timothy I've had an idea i think it would be great if you were circumcised so let's do that and i don't know if i was Timothy i think i'd be rereading that letter a couple of times you know i'd be I would be wondering and, you know, you'd, you'd be thinking almost, is that not a bit of a contradiction? Well, I, I don't think it is actually. Um, what the letter is actually saying, if we're more kind of specific, is that you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. You don't need to, like, become a Jew to enter the kingdom of God or to become part of the church. Um, the whole reason the letter is written is to make it easy for people to come to make it easy for people to join in and be part of God's kingdom and his church. And, and Paul argues really strongly for this, um, both back in the start of this chapter and also in a letter that he writes a little bit later on to the Galatians, um, who at that time were being taught that they had to kind of live under the law of Moses and become like a Jew. Um, and so in, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So Paul's saying here that, you know, anyone that's trying to earn God's uh, love, his forgiveness, um, or qualify for his promises on their own, is basically just missing the point, right? We cannot live in a way that deserves God's love or his grace, um, which is actually why we need Jesus. You know, we are made right with God by what he did, not by anything that we could do. So 
you know, when we try and um, when we try and rely on our own efforts, you know, we actually devalue what Jesus did, what He's done for us. When we try and like pay for our own um, salvation, essentially, like that check is never going to clear. Like we don't have the money in the bank. Only Jesus can pay that cost. So when Paul has Timothy circumcised here, it's obviously not as a way of purifying him before God or um, or kind of earning God's grace. Um, so what actually is it then? So I think if we go back to our passage today in Acts um, and we go to chapter 16, verse 3, um, I think we kind of get to the heart of it. So it says, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Right. So Timothy is circumcised not because of the value of circumcision for himself um, or actually because the, um, the church is saying that he needs to, to do it to be part of the church. Right. We, we've just read before that that um, the believers in that area speak well of Timothy like he is um, he is fully in. Right. But um it's, so, so it's not for him and it's not for the church, but actually it's for the Jews in that area who don't yet know Jesus. You know, without being circumcised, Timothy um, wouldn't have been able to go and preach and teach in synagogues. And actually, I think there are places he wouldn't have been able to go with Paul um, without actually breaking the Jewish law and tradition. And so he's not circumcised for his own sake, but actually as a way of opening up this opportunity to minister to people who otherwise he wouldn't have been able to reach. Jumping back um, just to that passage in Galatians 5 quickly, um, Paul writes in verse 6, for, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Right, the actual circumcision here holds no value, but it's actually an act of faith expressed through love, which removes an obstacle um, for people and allows Timothy to actually meet people where they're at and to share Jesus with them more effectively. He's not earning God's uh, acceptance, but he's earning an opportunity to uh, have influence within a certain context. He, um, he's free, obviously. He's free from the law. He's free from the need to do that. But with that freedom, he actually chooses to make a sacrifice that allows him to reach people. In um, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul um, writes this thing, which I think actually summarizes this idea pretty well. So it goes on to be um, quite a famous passage, but I'm just going to read verse 19, um, which says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And I think that's something that we can really take from this passage this morning. You know, although Paul when he writes to the Corinthians and Timothy in the passage here, have freedom in Jesus. They actually choose to, um, to give that up in a sense, to become like slaves, not because um, they need to for their own benefit, but actually so that they are more effective when they share their faith with other people. As we've been going through Acts together in this series, we've, I think, seen this theme of cost come up quite a lot. Um, here we have Timothy in a situation where he's got this amazing opportunity to preach to the Jews, but um, there's a cost, 
You know, he's got to invest. He's got to put some skin in the game. He's got to actually go for it. He can't be passive. He's got to take hold of this opportunity. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I think we actually see uh, this in for some of the other guys in the passage too. If we look at Silas, he, uh, like Paul, is a Roman citizen, right? So I think that would give him an amazing opportunity to share in the, in all the Roman colonies that are around the Mediterranean. But um, to actually get the opportunity to go with Paul and do that, he's got to leave a place where he's really settled. You know, he's a respected part of the leadership there in, in Antioch. He also, as he goes, ends up being beaten and thrown in jail and there's a bunch of hardship on the way. And, and there is a cost to that opportunity. And even for Paul and Barnabas, you know, they've got this opportunity to go again. You know, they're going out round two on mission and, and getting to strengthen and encourage and grow the churches. But for them, there's a cost, you know, in this, um, in this situation, they actually, it costs them their, their partnership. They've got to actually go their own separate ways to accomplish what God has for them in that moment. So, you know, for each of them, there's an opportunity and there's a cost. And these things are different for each of them, depending on situation and upbringing or whatever. But they're each free to choose, you know, and, and when they do choose, this like opportunity is unlocked. So maybe that might look a little different for us today. Maybe it's how we spend our time. Maybe there are sacrifices there or who we spend it with or even how we spend our money. Um, I know someone who, whenever they're going somewhere, will leave a little early um, just so if they meet someone on the way, if God puts a conversation in their way that day, they've got time to stop and have that conversation. And, you know, through that simple choice, maybe it's sacrificing a little bit of extra time in bed in the morning. Like they have had incredible conversations and got to pray with people um, as part of their day, just from taking that, um, that little sacrifice because it opens up an opportunity. So we've been talking this morning about how God wants to use us as individuals um, with our own strengths, our personalities and our own opportunities to um, play our part in the mission of the church. Um, earlier, we took a moment to think about what unique gifts and, and passions we have. Um, but as we wrap up this morning, I wanted to just um, take a second again to think actually about our opportunities. Um, so just before we hand back to the guys, I just wanted to ask these couple of questions. So the first one, where are you uniquely positioned to be able to be and speak good news into people's lives? And then finally, what choices could we freely make that would unlock an opportunity to meet people where they're at and share Jesus with them?